This sermon is titled Returning to Our First Love. Be enriched as you listen. Today's message is really a, 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 an invitation or a reiteration to return to something, to return to our first love. That's the title of the message, Returning to Our First Love. Okay, and, it's, and it starts with an appraisal. How many of you love receiving report cards? You know, I'm, I'm sure there are some of us here, yeah, report card, you know, when the, when the, when the exams are over, the teacher walks. I remember when we, um, in school, we had these report cards and they had different colors for some reason. Um, you know, in, in, in class five, I remember it was, I think, pink, and then it became blue and it became green and so on. So, uh, so whenever the teacher walked with a stack of report cards, you know, um, some, some will be very excited. They'll be like, yes. And they're looking at each other and, you know, uh, laughing and crying. I mean, not crying, they're excited. But there are some of us who are crying on the inside. And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> report cards. It's that time of the year again. It's that day of reckoning. So, uh, I know, for some of us, it may not have been a, you know, a pleasant experience. Maybe for some of us, it was like, yay, report cards. Good for you. But this is it. You know, this is how it starts. Uh, it starts with an appraisal. It starts with a kind of a report card, and we read about it in Revelation chapter 2. Right? Revelation chapter 2 and verses 1 to 7. I'm just going to read that out. Uh, it, it, it won't be on the screen. Um, you could follow in your Bibles. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." So the Lord gives this message, asks John to uh, record it, and it's to the, the angel or the messenger or the leader of the church of Ephesus. And he says, you know, very commendable things. I know your works. So the Lord knows the works of the believer. Right? I know your works, um, your labor, right? your patience, your perseverance, your discernment. And it's uh, very interesting, it says... Uh, you have tested those who are apostles and are not, right? Uh, people in ministry, probably prominent ones. And look at the second part of the verse. And it, and it says, um, it's the next verse, sorry. It says, and you have persevered. Uh, sometimes we are derailed from our faith. When you see someone prominent in ministry, make a mistake or fall. Uh, but here, these people, the, the believers, the church in Ephesus, they have persevered beyond that. They've gone beyond that, you know, beyond the mistake of the leaders, probably. They've gone beyond that. And it says, you know, these are all commendable things. You've not grown weary in doing good, in ministering. And then there is this nevertheless, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you've, uh, you've heard people say, you say this, you know, this the food was good. And when you, say, when you say the food was good, they know that there's something else following. But, you know, this is what it is. So it seems like that. Nevertheless, it says, I, I have this against you. So what is it? It says that you have left your first love. And we might go like, God, you know, what is this? Very commendable things in trying times, in persecutions, and, you know, in all these uh, challenging environments, this church has persevered, this church has done good things. But the Lord says, you have left your first love. 
And then he talks, gives three instructions to them in verse 5. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So in other words, in the Lord's eyes, in his estimate, it's like falling from a higher place when we leave that first love. You know, you have left your first love, you have actually fallen. He's saying you have fallen from a higher place to a lower level of existence. Maybe a higher place to a lower level of ministry, higher place to a lower level of living. You have left your first love. And then he gives this, uh, and that is the first instruction, to remember where, from where you have fallen. The second one is repent. You know, there is change. You can change. It's time to repent. Make a decision. Be remorseful, but make a decision to change. Don't continue to do the works. Don't continue to, um, you know, to labor and, and be patient without this, this first love. So he's saying, repent. And thirdly, he says, do the first works. In other words, it's like you, when we repent and get back to these first works, it's supposed to take us to that place of first love and uh, take us back to that place of restoration from where we fell, right? So he's saying, remember, repent, and do the first works. And there is a consequence also for not repenting. Like, and that we see the second part of verse 5, he says, repent, do this, do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Um, it's not like the Lord is saying, okay, I'm going to come and switch off the power. And take that. He's saying something very serious here. You know, you know that the Lord has said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Right? You have the capacity to shine light. As a believer, you have the light, life of God in you, and you're called to shine that light out, dispel darkness, bring light to a world that is groping about in ignorance, and you have that capacity. Right? You and I have that capacity. And the Lord is saying, repent, or I will come and do something uh, for, about that capacity, that capacity to influence and impact the world. Right? Um, that capacity to change things, maybe. The Lord is saying, I'm going to, you know, change. In the sense, he's saying, I'm going to remove that. Something very serious, you know, very severe uh, in the Lord's estimate. So, uh, but we can say, Lord, this is a dispensation of grace. And, um, you know, you're a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. It's the same God who's saying this. He's saying, you know, I will come quickly and remove that lampstand from its place. So something serious. And as a body of believers and as individuals, something serious to take note and say, Lord, you are serious about this. You are serious about returning to that first love. Right? So we can ask that question, God, what is this first love? I'm doing so many things, God, for your, for your name's sake. I'm, I'm living this life and doing so many things. I honor you. And Lord, what is this first love? And the key to that is in the words of the Lord Jesus. When he, when he has that conversation with the, with the scribe, with the lawyer, right? And actually, he starts in a very interesting way. The lawyer comes and asks um, this question not to know, but actually to test the Lord, to corner him and to, you know, kind of put him down maybe in the eyes of the audience, in the eyes of everyone there, right? So he's coming and asking, you know, what is the greatest commandment? What is the first commandment? What is the great commandment? What is that thing, one thing that I need to do? And to which the Lord answers. So I was just thinking, you know, it's amazing that the Lord even changes that whole question or that the, the situation to give us a wonderful revelation about loving God and loving people. And it starts with this person who wants to corner the Lord Jesus, right? So uh, the Lord can turn anything around. Uh, maybe something's happening in our lives. The Lord can turn that around and give a revelation and an understanding for our good. Right? And, that, and that's how we, it goes about. And he says, you know, this is what it is. Verse 37 and Matthew chapter 22. The Lord said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is... The first and great commandment, verse 38. So, 
we have that key. This is something which is really big for God. Really big in, uh, for us to relate to him. The way in which we relate to him. It says, this is the first and great commandment. You love the Lord your God. How do you do that? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, everything. In fact, Mark chapter 12 talks about the heart and mind and soul and strength. And, which means that with all our heart, with everything within us, with our innermost being to love God. With our soul, meaning our desires, our imagination, our reasoning. With our mind, our understanding, our intellect, and with our strength, meaning our actions, our body, uh, everything that we do in this body, to love him. Is it possible? Yes, it is so, because he says, you love. This is how you need to love. And so the question is, God, what does it mean to love? What does it mean to love? You know, yesterday we had a wedding, and uh, in that wedding, I'm sure... Uh, all of you, you would have heard those phrases in the weddings, you know. Human commitment is fragile and human love is imperfect. Right? But the love of God brings our love to perfection. Right? So we, must be, we might be wondering, you know, how do I love and what does it mean to love? Well, the first thing is to receive that love from God. Receive that love. You know, he is the source of love. His nature is love. To receive it in order to love him back, in order to love his people. Right? So what does it mean to love God? Does it mean that I tell him over and over again, I love him? When people might ask, you know, maybe your spouse asks, do you love me? Say it. <laughs> you know, why are you not saying it? Maybe, you know, maybe courtship days. You know, why didn't you tell me today that you love? You know, all those demands. Does it mean that you tell over and over again, I love? Does it mean that you sing over and over again that you, you know, and tell the Lord that you love? Or does it mean that we, when we come together to worship, corporately saying, lifting hands and saying, God, I love you with all my heart? Or is it, you know, a, a, a case of uh, all these warm, fuzzy feeling in our heart? Right? To say that, oh, I, I love the Lord. I have this warm feeling, this fuzzy feeling in my heart, and I know that I love the Lord. Well, when we look into the Word of God, we see that it's actually very real, very practical. Right? Some of those things. Well, it is good to have these warm fuzzies. It's good to tell the Lord. It's good to sing to the Lord. It's good to tell Him over and over again that we love Him. But actually, it comes to, when the rubber hits the road, it comes to some very practical, simple uh, things that we sometimes might, uh, we, we, you know, because we've heard it so often, we, we just escapes our attention, right? So we're going to look at a few things um, today, okay? Can I hear an amen? So we know that we're all tracking. Okay, so the first thing is, is this, to love God, if I say that I love God, to love God is to know Him. To love God is to know Him, which means I make every attempt and give that space and time in my life to know him. Why do we say that? 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. For everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Saying God, the source the nature of God, uh, of the source of love is God. The nature of God is love. So there is this vital connection between knowing God and uh, loving. Loving Him, loving others. Right? So we get to know Him. We get to know about Him. And we move from that place. Now, there are you know, several degrees to knowing people. Right, we 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 have. We, I know there, there are some strangers. Maybe some people in church are strangers to you. You know, you don't know them. Okay, uh, uh, all people church. Oh, I see. I've never seen you. Right, uh, strangers. Then there are acquaintances. Yeah, I've seen you somewhere. I, I know. You know, you know them. Maybe you probably you met them. You you know their name, and they are acquainted with you. You are acquainted with them. Acquaintances. Then there are friends. And you can't, you know, when you come to church and that's the first person you go to and say, hi, how are you? And, uh, and over and over again and you spend time, you share something about your life with them. You know them. Um, and, 
you know, just, just to make a reference about yesterday's wedding, they were, it was very interesting. At the reception, uh, the bridesmaid and the groomsmen, they came and they talked about the bride and groom. Very, very interesting, some intimate details. Uh, but just to, you know, know about the level of friendship they had, the kind of close relationship uh, they had with the bride and groom. It was amazing to hear their stories, some funny uh, some very, you know, moving uh, stories, but it is, it is good to hear all that, right? So, friends, and you move from that place to, a, to be confidants, you know, to, to trust someone, to be vulnerable with, with someone. Maybe your spouse um, definitely needs to be a spouse. You need to go to that, grow to that place where we are vulnerable, where there are no masks, and where we are, we can be ourselves. So the Lord is inviting us Today, if you, if you look into your own life, and maybe you can ask, you know, am I a stranger to God? Would I recognize His voice? Right? Am I a stranger? Or am I just an acquaintance? You know, I know His name. I know where He lives. Yeah, heaven. <laughs> uh, I know a little bit about Him. I'm acquainted, yeah, with His ways. Um, but that's it. Or maybe we are good friends. We share a little bit, and he shares, and, and that's about it. But the Lord wants to invite us, right? call us to a kind of relationship which he actually laid out. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Right? What is flowing in me, I want to flow in your life. Right? The life of God, the Zoe, God kind of life, just flowing in the vine. I wanted to, wanted to flow in the branches so that you may bear fruit. He's saying, abide in the vine, stay there, commune, right? go beyond the surface, open up, share, receive. And the Lord is saying, this is the kind of relationship that I'm calling you to. And we, all of us, we can make that progression, come to that place of God saying, you know, how can I hide this from my friend? The way he said, you know, he talked to Abraham, how can I, how can I hide this? We can come to that place of knowing him and abiding in him. And the Lord is inviting each and every one of us, you know, uh, not those in ministry and not each and every one of us, to that place. To love God is to know him. And as we make time and effort to be in his presence, it's going to take something out of us. We all lead busy lives. As we take time to be in his presence, to worship him, to read the word, to pray and commune with him, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal more of Jesus to us. And that's going to get us to actually love him more. The love of God. To love God is to know him. Okay, the second thing, to love God is to obey him. You know, to love God is, is not just to sing and say and tell the Lord, Lord, I love you, but it's actually to obey him. It's as simple and practical as that. When you look at John chapter 14 and verse 15, the Lord Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, we gave our daughter, you know, a small book with scripture verses on one side. Uh, when she was growing up and she was small, she hadn't started talking then, uh, speaking then. So uh, uh, verses on one side, picture on one side, just to, you know, make that connection. And, um, and one of the verses was this. Right? If you love me, keep my commandments. And I think that kid version said, obey my commandments. Right? So one day she asked us, uh, do you love me? Uh, and he said, yes. She said, obey my commandments. <laughs> she was confessing the word, <laughs> declaring the word. But I'm just reminded of that every time, you know, we come across that verse. And the Lord is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that word keep, it actually means to guard, to preserve. It means to obey, to fulfill. And it also means to hold fast. You know, get a good grip, strong grip. Don't let go. Right? It means to guard and preserve whatever has been committed to us. You know, maybe the Lord has, you know, last Sunday we looked at the call of God, the dreams that God has for us. Wow. You know, and he's calling us, inviting us, say, I'm walking with you, you pursue it. Right? I'm going to empower you. So what is the dream that he has committed or, uh, to our lives? To you as a person, as an individual, to you collectively as a family. And what is that call? What is that gifting? What is it that he has poured out? Right? It's good to take note right? and, and see, okay, 
I need to, I need to guard that. I can actually let go. I can, it can slip from my hands. I need to guard that. I need to come back to it. I need to put it to good use. You know, recently we put up the Christmas tree and, uh, you know, all year it's in some, it's in a hidden place. Um, and then we took it out and kind of thinking, hey, we should declutter our house. Uh, too many things hiding here and there. Uh, am I the only person going through this? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, uh, so, so we, we, and then, and then uh, we had some surprises. Oh, wow, this belongs to us. You know, for how long has it been with us? We need to use this, right? We need to better be, be use it. And then we think of all the crockery that we have never used. You know, we're keeping for that special occasion. We don't know when. You know, we're keeping it. Oh, don't use it now. Special occasion only. Uh, so I was thinking the other day, maybe, you know, December is the month when we should just take everything out. You know, last month of the year, take those things that we've been keeping and saying, I'll use it only on, you know, some special again. Use it every day, you know. Uh, use it for serving. Use those plates and take those glasses and uh, just use it. Right. So the thing is this, the Lord has committed to us certain things and it's there. Maybe covered in dust. Um, maybe covered by regret. Maybe covered by disappointment. Right? And we're saying, God, uh, I don't know. I just keep it hidden somewhere. Um, you know, I, I'm a married person now. Or I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mature adult now. Maybe the Lord put that thought or put that in your heart as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And saying, God, um, I don't know. Uh, I've grown up. I need to be practical now. You know, I can't go back to that. Well, the Lord is saying, if you love me, keep my commands. Keep it. Guard it. Don't let, uh, you know, uh, don't let lose of that. It also means to fulfill, to obey what he instructs us to do. All those simple uh, instructions, all those uh, the, uh, that, that when he speaks to our heart in simple ways, he says, you do this, don't do this, right? There's a lot of do's that he says rather than don't do, have you noticed, right? A lot of do's, do, do this, do that. And... Um, and then when we hold fast to the word, the ways of God, um, despite uh, opposition, despite difficulties. But the thing is this, when we keep his word, when we fulfill, when we obey, when we guard, the love of God is perfected in our hearts. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Perfected meaning brought to maturity. Right, brought to completion, brought to another level of expression when we keep his word. So we're saying, God, I want to love you more. We just start by keeping his word. Right? And the Lord is asking us for wholehearted commitment or wholehearted obedience. You know, many times we obey the letter and not the spirit. Okay? I'm supposed to take a helmet. So I will, I will wear it on my elbow and I will go. Let the bike wear it. The petrol tank is supposed to be the safe, you know, it has to be safe, it has to be protected. Right? So that would be uh, obeying in the letter and not the spirit. Right? Uh, okay, at the signal, uh, is there a policeman around? If not, let me go. I'm going to church, I better be on time. You know, I'm Asha there, I'm a worship team member, sound check starts. It's okay, you know, let's go. So obeying, you know, these are small, you know, simple things, but then there are significant things which we um, rationalize, which we justify, and we say, God, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to do that. Or we do it, we go to the edge of sinfulness maybe, uh, and edge of disobeying maybe, and almost, we are almost slipping into that pit. We can feel the heat of hellfire, and then we draw back saying, we just... Okay, I just went to that edge of disobeying, right? So keeping wholeheartedly obeying him uh, and means that, that we obey him in spirit and in the letter. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands, right? So to love God is to obey him. Thirdly, to love God, now this is a big one, are you ready? I think we should have seatbelts. To love God is to love others. Whew. God, it's easy to love you. 
you never change. It's easy to love you. You are slow to anger, abounding love. You're so gracious. But people, God, people are so difficult. <laughs> the Lord says, you know, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in the parable of the Samaritan, um, the good Samaritan, he talks about who's a neighbor. So loving our neighbor, loving other people is an expression of our love for God. You know, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So loving others, a very, uh, sometimes it's a difficult thing because people are difficult. Right? People are not loving. So it, 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 it doesn't say love those who love you. Right? In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, um, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 um, onwards, maybe we just go there. Matthew chapter 5. Um, yeah. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies. I don't know if the disciples followed him after that or followed the rest of the message. You know, we'll, we'll go back and watch it online, I mean, on YouTube. I don't know. He just lost me there. <laughs> Lord, do you know the people that I interact with? How can I love them? And I have difficulty loving those who love me. It says, love your enemies. And in verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. But this is the, this is the thing. You know, it is possible because in Romans 5 and verse 5 it says, the love of God, this agape, this unconditional love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, right? So we are all sitting here, and if we have received the Lord as Lord and Savior, Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are recipients of this love. We have this agape love in us. It's been poured out by the Holy Spirit. Can we say this? You know, I have the love of God in me. Okay, this section, you are quiet. I have the love of God in me. You know, in the children's church, we sing, you know, I have the joy, 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 joy deep down in my heart. And, and the love of God is also there. Love of the, I think it's a long line. Uh, yeah, like Jean, long line, right? It's in me, right? And uh, some of these Sunday school, children's church songs are so spot on, so scriptural. The love of God is in us because the Holy Spirit has poured out his love. So it needs to come out. And there is this ceiling called the ceiling of flesh. There is this barrier called the unrenewed mind, which really, uh, you know, you know it is like a, prevents us from expressing that love. But we can put to death the deeds of the body. We can put to death by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So to love God is to love people. And I'm just reminded of this one thing, a uh, story which I heard recently, that the kind of transformation that love brings, the kind of transformation love brings. You know, my, uh, my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, they, they lived in this village called Uthamapalayam, um, uh, beyond Madurai, and very loving people, very loving people. You know, uh, Tata, as we used to call him, Tata was a softie. But um, uh, my Archie, my grandmother, she was a little strict disciplinarian, but they had this amazing love for people. People would walk in and they say, you know, have, have lunch, have dinner. I don't know how they manage that. Right? And I'm not talking about like two, three people, that bunches of people, like when we go for vacations, five, ten, they'd come and, and they say, you have lunch and there'll be something happening. The, uh, I, I don't think the kitchen fires ever went out. You know, people would come and eat and go and they had so much of love for people, right? And I thought that was also a very, um, you know, he, he, he loved Jesus, 
right he loved jesus he was not very vocal about it but he loved jesus and after bath after having his bath he would come and he would stand uh, and he would light a candle for some reason but he would stand and he would pray his mouth would be lips would be moving and he would pray for you know for a long for a long time i think maybe half an hour or something he would just be standing there until he was able to do that you know he used to stand and pray right and they loved people but this is the story that i heard uh, from my mother recently that they, there was krishna who who worked with them like krishna i think drove their car did some odd jobs around the house so krishna was with them for some years and uh, and they loved you know they 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 would treat everyone equal so they uh, obviously even then krishna krishna worked for some time and then he moved out from that place right he moved to work elsewhere but krishna this is what he did krishna named his children after my tata's children that is my mother and my mother's uh, brother right he named his daughter shanti and he named his son jacob right we don't know uh, much after that you know what happened and whether you know what happened but this is what he did he was so impacted by the love of tata and archi that he named his children krishna named his children shanti and jacob right we might say okay it's a, it's a small thing what it just talks about the transformational nature of god's love way beyond arguments and reasonings it just hits the heart and god is saying love others saying love others yes they are difficult people oh they are going to be rude but love others love does not live in denial by the way love speaks the truth love recognizes injustice abuse and oppression and seeks to bring change in a godly manner so love doesn't mean that it's it's a doormat but it seeks to bring change in a godly manner okay so we looked at three things the fourth one is when we say i love god it is to hate evil to love god is to hate evil psalm 97 and verse 10 the psalmist says you who love god love the lord hate evil he preserves the soul of his saints he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked you who love the lord hate evil so hate is an intense dislike and evil is anything that is wicked and morally corrupt and bad so here we see you know hate evil romans chapter 12 and verse 9 let love be without hypocrisy meaning without any pretense and undisguised truthful and sincere let love be without hypocrisy abhor what is evil cling to what is good So when we say that we love God it is to have an intense dislike for what is evil right but the thing is this evil comes personified as a person <laughs> so what do we do right i have this miss gossip in office i have this mr anger in us you know i have this mr intimidation at home so the, the characteristic and the person go together and how do we distinguish how do i you know love or uh, uh, dislike the evil deed and not the evil doer right how do i dislike that evil deed and not the evil doer many times we make the mistake we dislike that evil doer <laughs> along with that evil deed and that evil deed becomes the identity of that person in our eyes so we need the love of god we need god's empowering to do it and the and the lord says you know i am with you i will enable you i will empower you to do it you don't have to do it on your own not in your own strength not in the strength of your flesh not by your will power i will enable you to do it but are you willing right the lord is asking me and i'm convicted even as i share these uh, share these verses uh, the lord asking are you willing to do that to love to have the love of the father is to not love the world which means the lust of the flesh 
The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, the sensual appetites of the body. Lust of the eyes, the craving uh, to covet something uh, by looking at those things and being satisfied by looking, you know, pornography and all that. The pride of life to be arrogant and boastful of position, wealth and power and social standing and maybe uh, education and background and connections and so on. Right? And saying the love of the Father is not there if you love the world. It's talking about the lust of the flesh. So the question is, do we practice these in our own lives? Do we practice these in our own lives? Have we allowed these things in our own lives? Or do we intentionally pursue things, these things you know, as a lifestyle? If we do that, and then we say, you know, I love God, you know, maybe you mean it sincerely from your heart, but then, you know, Scripture says that, you know, the love of the Father that will not come to fruition, to maturity, because it's, it's not there. It erodes away. So we are unable to esteem what God esteems. We are unable to love what God loves. So to love God is to hate evil. And take a hard look at ourselves and do that inventory and say, what is it? What are those gray areas? You know, what are those things? You know, can I give my phone with... Instagram and Facebook and everything to my spouse and, and say, you know, you go through it. Can I give my phone and say, you know, the, the, here are these, this history of Google searches uh, and here are this history of YouTube searches. Uh, you can go through it. You know, these are the peoples I've chatted with. These are the peoples, you know, you can go through it. Can we go do that to our spouse, with our spouse? Really? And sometimes we excuse these gray areas saying, you know, I'm only human. Or these are just naughty things. But no, really. To love God is to hate evil. Okay, fifthly, to love God is to trust him. To love God is to trust him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is, he exists, he is all that he said he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? So when we come to him, we need to draw near in faith, we need to draw near and put our trust in him. Believe that he exists, believe that he is all that he has revealed himself to be, and that he is a rewarder. Again, Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, uh, and the thing is this, how can we love someone whom we do not trust? Right? How can we express our love? How can we say, Lord, I love you and not really trust him? Maybe that trust was broken. Broken because of maybe delayed answers broken because of unanswered prayers we are still seeking you know broken because we don't you know in our finite understanding we're not able to fathom put together these things why did this happen why did this happen to me right wasn't i following the lord wasn't i doing the right things why did it happen to me why did it happen to them why and somewhere deep within there is this that lack of trust you know maybe we are Maybe because of the pandemic, things happened, you know, um, and people, uh, people passed away and people were ill. And, and we're not able to fathom, put together those things. We're saying, God, uh, I, I know you've said that you are this, this, and this. But deep down, God, uh, there's something that is broken. I'm, I'm unable to trust you. I know I sing it. I know I say it. But deep down. But the Lord is saying, you know, you come back. You come back. Let me replace that. Let me restore that place of trust. Come back to that place of trusting wholeheartedly again. Right? So the, the, just because that we didn't get our prayers answered in a certain way doesn't mean that God has changed. Hebrews 13 is very clear that he is the same yesterday, today, and all our tomorrows. He is the same. And that's great reassurance. Great reassurance. This God who is holy, is all-powerful, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And today, if we are struggling with that, you know, with that regret, struggling with that, maybe that pain, uh, struggling with that disappointment, may the Lord lead us to break through that and rise above that and come to that place of trusting Him again. Amen? So to love God is to trust Him. And it involves making a choice. It involves making a decision. Um, Psalm 18 and verse 1, the psalmist says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. In verse 2, he says, my God, my strength, in him I will trust. In both these cases, he's saying, I will love, I will trust. He's making a choice, saying, I don't have any other options, God. The disciples said, Peter said, where can we go? You have the words you have the words of eternal life. Where can we go? And when Job's wife asked him to say, you know, curse God and die, he said, no, I will not. Though he slay me, yet will I, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Daniel's friends stood in front of the statue and they were supposed to, uh, you know, that image and they were supposed to bow down and, 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 and they say, no. And, and they say, okay, my, our God is, and he was about to throw into the fiery furnace, they say, our God is able to save, but even if he does not, we will not bow down, we will not change. Wow, to have that kind of faith, to have that kind of trust in our Lord and Savior. To love him is to trust him. And lastly, to love him is to worship him only. To love him is to worship him only. Let nothing else take that place of adoration. Let nothing else or no one else take that pedestal on which God is. Nothing else, no one else. Sometimes very subtly, a lot of things creep in and inch in and uh, take that place of God in our lives. Amen. To worship, to love him is to worship him. Because if you look at um, Mark um, chapter 12 and also Matthew um, chapter 22, we see that the Lord is saying, you know, this is how you will love with all your heart, with everything within me. And that is actually worship. Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, the Lord says, when the, when the scribe asks the question, he, he starts by saying this. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. An acknowledgement and recognition of who God is. Right? And in Psalm 95, we see that over and over again. The psalm is calling people to worship. He gives that invitation, Psalm uh, 95 and verse 1. He gives an invitation, come, let's worship the Lord. He said, let's sing and shout joyfully. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. And then in verse 3, he says, he acknowledges the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In verse 6, again, the invitation, come, let us worship. And the acknowledgement, recognizing and acknowledging who God is for who he has revealed him to be according to the truth, which is the word of God, is the first step is to say that I worship. So we see that worship is more than the songs that we sing. Like worship is more than professing, Lord, I worship you. Worship is much more than that. Worship is a consecrated lifestyle. Every time we say no to sin, we say yes to God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it talks about, you know, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. We saw, we see the Old Testament, they, they offered the sacrifice of thanksgiving in worship to God. So we see that offering ourselves, our choices, our thoughts, and living in a consecrated manner is Worship. So we are actually saying, Lord, I worship you, without really saying, Lord, I worship you, every time we say no to sin and yes to God. Right? To worship the Lord is also our lifestyle. You know, uh, we're not 
we're not saying that when we gather together or in the, in the quietness of our homes, when we sing out to God, when we worship God, that is not, you know, we're not saying that's, that's not worship. That has a very big place in our lives, but worship is so much more. And the Word of God expands that scope of worship. And we look at Hebrews chapter 13, and, um, and this is verse 15, right? Hebrews 13 and verse 15, it says, Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. And that's, that's what we do, maybe corporately and individually and personally, you know, giving thanks to Him, the fruit of our lips, praise to God, thanks to Him. Look at verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do not forget to do good and to share. And it says, with such sacrifices. Verse 15 also talks about the sacrifice, offer the continually the sacrifice of praise. Verse 16 talking about generosity and, uh, and, and kindness and good deeds. And he's saying, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Right? So love God is to worship him. And many times, sometimes people, I've heard someone say, you know, worship and all is, it's okay, I'm going for the word. <laughs> but the word of God is saying that, you know, to love him is to to really worship him in spirit and in truth, right? And I remember this happened many years ago when I was in college, and I just come to know the Lord, new believer, and uh, having this conversation with a senior, uh, through a common friend, actually, a senior, he was a senior in a different college. So we were just meeting and chatting, and I had become a believer, and he had come to know about it somehow, and so he's saying, so, so what do you guys do? Right, Sundays, so we were saying, you know, you should come to the youth fellowship. You know, that's the thing, you know, you're zealous, you're just inviting, come to the youth fellowship. And they said, what do you guys do? And uh, I said, um, hey, anyway, first we worship. Worship? How can you worship something? You know, that was his, he was appalled, disgusted. How can you worship something? Um... Well, I was uh, taken aback, and then I said, oh, uh, well, actually, we, uh, we sit and we sing some songs. That's, that's all I could manage, sing, sing some songs. And, uh, you know, that, that was there in my mind. And then after many years, the Lord actually reminded me of that exchange that I had with him. And uh, this is what he said, you know, the Lord said, you know, he knew more about worship than you know now. He knew more about worship. He was an atheist, but that whole idea of worship, you know, giving oneself completely in surrender, you know, laying yourself down without holding back. The Lord is saying, he knew more about worship. Though his response was, how can anyone worship? But he knew more about worship and he resisted it. And today, you know, we know whom we worship. The Lord is inviting us to worship Him in all these ways. Not just with a song. Worship is more than a song that we sing. He's inviting us to bring our life to Him. Right? So the Lord's invitation is, hey, remember from where you have fallen. It's not to shame us. It's not to condemn us. It's a, it's a loving rebuke, really. Because in the next instruction, he says, repent, change. Which means it's possible. There is this opportunity for us to change, repent. And then he says, do the first works. Get back to that place. Get back to that place of loving God. Get back to the place of understanding that loving God is so much more than saying, singing, professing, and living our own lives. Just to go through, you know, to love God, uh, worship team can come up, please. To love God is to know Him, know Him more. Is the Lord a stranger? You know, you can know Him. You can invite Him into your heart, into your life. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know You. I want to know You as my Lord and Savior, right? To love God is to obey Him, not to do our own thing and make it look like God's thing, not to go our own way and make it look like God's way, but really to obey Him. And obey Him wholeheartedly, 
wholeheartedly. And he'll, um, sometimes it's inconvenient to obey the Lord. Sometimes it's, um, well, there's a lot of fear. But the Lord is there. He's with us. He's the vine. We are the branches. He indwells us. He's inviting us to obey him. To love God is to love others. The most unlovable of people, he came, he loved. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So today, you know, if you've never, if you've never invited Jesus, you can do that. To love God is to love others. To love God is to hate evil. To have that higher standard and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to intensely dislike this thing. It's not about hating the evildoer, but about hating evil. And the Lord will give us the discernment and enable us to love, enable us to hate evil. Uh, to love God is to trust Him. You know, trust Him wholeheartedly, even when it doesn't make sense. And today, I love the Lord to do that deep work in our hearts. May we allow Him to do that, to take us beyond those regrets, to take us beyond those disappointments and cause us to trust Him again. May He do that repairing work so we can trust Him again wholeheartedly. And to love God is to worship Him, which is surrender. Saying, Lord, not my agenda, but yours, God. Not my agenda, but yours. So remember from where we have fallen, repent and do the first works. Uh, let's spend some time just worshiping the Lord at this time and, uh, and give our heart to the Lord. Would you like to stand up, please? Let's uh, spend some time worshiping.
be my Lord. It's a very simple prayer. It's a very simple conversation with the Lord. Instruction. Say, Lord, I open my heart. Come and be the Lord of my life. And for those of us you know, who've been walking with Him all these years and um, maybe we are in hurt, we are finding it difficult to love people, maybe we are being hurt, we have all these questions, we are finding it difficult to love God, we have been hurt and we are finding it difficult to trust Him, really. May the Lord step in, realign. May the great surgeon, you know, come and step in and operate and, and cleanse and heal those things in our hearts. You're looking into my heart, into my heart. You're looking into my heart You know all, you see all mm, yeah. mm, Come step in, Lord yeah. You're looking into my heart Into my heart You know all, God, you see all Come, Lord, come, Lord Step within, take your rightful place be enthroned on our hearts, God. Mm -hmm. And Lord, have your way in me. I gave you more than a song, more than this song. Come, have your way. Let's begin to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I give you more. Than the song, more than a song, God, God. Come have your way in me. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, that you're rearranging our priorities and rearranging, oh God, everything that needs to be on the top and things that need to come down. Lord, rearranging our focus. Lord, rearranging our affections, our love. And today, God, we ask, oh God, that you would be the king of our heart, king of our lives, God. And Lord, we pray that each one of us, Lord, as believers, as a congregation, as a body of believers, as the household of the living God, that we would come to that place. If we have slipped, O oh God, that we would come to that place, that we would do those first works and come, return to that place of first love, O oh God. That first love, O oh God. And Lord, we thank you. 
you're bringing us to that place to be the influence, to be the salt, to be the light, to be the voice, to be that impact in society, God, to a hurting world, Father God. Master, we thank you. Yes, we give you all the praise and all the glory. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, and if you did so today, you know, you said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. You know, be the Lord and Savior of my life. If there's anyone here, you made that prayer for the first time, can I see your hand? We just want to give you something and help you uh, get started. If you prayed that prayer or if you spoke to the Lord and said, I did that for the first time in my life. Is there anyone who did that today? You can just put up your hand and um, anyone. Okay. Uh, I don't see any hands and if there's anyone online watching us, watching this service, and if you did that, uh, you said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. The Lord takes those words very, very seriously and he will step in and he has stepped in and changed your life. You could write to us, um, you could email us and we'll help you get started on this wonderful, exciting journey of loving God and loving people. Amen. Um, our life group leaders, uh, our pastors will be here for prayer and ministry. So if any of us need prayer and saying, you know, I need to be prayed for, um, you know, feel free to uh, step right forward and um, to be prayed for. Yeah. Um, let's pray and close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.